What's up and welcome to the best podcast for coaches, the Coaches Collective. I'm Derek Perkins. I'm here with Dan Casey and Chris Maleo. Each week, we give you access to the most innovative leaders in and out of sport. This week is no different. We sit down with one of the best in the business, Coach Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern. Coach talks about something we're extremely passionate about, the dirtiest word in coaching, balance. If you're enjoying the content, make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on Twitter at Coach Collect. As always, get your pen and paper ready for another episode of the Coaches Collective. Welcome everyone to episode 12 of the Coaches Collective. I'm Chris Maleo with co-hosts Dan Casey and Derek Perkins. We are excited today to have head coach of Northwestern University, Pat Fitzgerald on the show. Coach Fitzgerald, welcome. Thanks, Chris. Great to be on with you, uh, Dan and Derek, and uh, looking forward to having some fun, man. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate you taking out time on a Friday in the offseason and uh, really wanted to go get to just dive right in and talk a little bit about you and your career. Um, obviously, you're having tremendous success. You know, you guys have some of the best facilities in college football. You're uh, that, in, in two out of the last three years, you won the Big Ten West. You played the Big Ten Championship. Just recently had two first round draft picks, you know, just announced a, a big time rivalry game in Ireland. I mean, things are rolling for Northwestern football. Um, but that almost didn't happen with you as the head coach. You at one point were working outside of football and really were questioning if, you know, football was going to be the route that you want to go. Can you expand and talk a little bit about that decision and how you've arrived to become the head coach that you are today? Yeah, uh, thanks, Chris. You know, when I look back, uh, it seems like yesterday, but now it's over 20 years ago that uh, I was done playing football. So, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't grow up wanting to coach, man. I grew up wanting to be a player. You know, I wanted to be a great player. So, uh, you know, when I got cut by the Cowboys and then worked out for the New Orleans Saints, this guy named Mike Ditka was the head coach of the Saints. And he, we get, I, I played, I think, two or three preseason games. I get caught. I fly home. I got a uh, answering machine at you know a parent's house. They tell me we want you to try out for the Saints. So I get back on a plane, go try out for the Saints. Stick a smoking a cigar. They put us through a full NFL combine. I think it was like a hundred degrees in New Orleans. Mm. You know, <laughs> I'm beat up from camp. Dick is like, I think it's time you start using that Northwestern degree. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, I'm 10 years old. I fall in love with football. Dick is the head coach of the Bears, uh, is a Chicagoan. And, um, you know, that was just a, a wake-up call, a reality that, you know what, the playing days are over. Uh, whether you like it or not, you can keep trying to do this. But this is why you got a great degree from a great school. So uh, I, I thought I wanted to go down the business road. Uh, I definitely had coaching in my blood. I thought it might be at the high school level. Uh, because of the impact my high school coaches had on me outside of my parents, nobody had a bigger impact on me than my high school football and baseball coaches. And, um, you know, I did, a, I, I couldn't find a job. So, uh, long story short, I did sales for about three months because the coaching cycle wasn't rolling. And then, uh, honestly, Chris, it wasn't a hard decision. It took me about three days to figure <laughs> out pretty dang quick, uh, that I was missing the best drug in the world and that, and that's football. And, um, Got really fortunate. I uh, got a got a graduate assistant uh, opportunity then that winter at the University of Maryland, and I've uh, kind of been rolling ever since. Yeah, that's amazing. And like, I think our listeners should note, right? Like this, you weren't just like, "Hey, I, I played college football and and I tried out," you know, for the you know, I was with the Cowboys and then with the Saints. I mean, you were two time Big Ten player, defensive player of the year. You were the only at, at that time. You were the only back to back winner of 
the Chuck Bednarik Award and the Bronco Nagurski Award. Uh, I think you beat Ray Lewis out for that award. So, and and I think also I, I should let our listeners know that I know a lot of this about you, obviously, because I played for you. I played college football for hey, you. So you're, you're a wee bit biased, Chris. Yeah, I'm yeah, right, right. Right. Let's let your <laughs> listeners know. I mean, <laughs> you you only you only shoved it down my throat every day. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's all good. <laughs> but no, but you were you were a tremendous player. You were a tremendous player, and and you don't often see that a lot when guys go from kind of that, they, they don't transition a lot very well when you, when they have that, that much success as a player, you don't see a lot of guys have that kind of success as coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I always attribute that to for you is, is kind of your emotional IQ. I think you have great, you know, EQ, uh, you really connect with players and you understand that you're, you're playing chess as a coach, not checkers and every piece moves differently. Um, right. maybe kind of, kind of talk a little bit about that and like what you've established at NU, the culture, what you, you know, all the things that you've done, because, you took over a program at 33 years old, right? 34? Were you 34? 31. I was 31. I was 31. 31. Wow. Yeah. So I remember, Coach, our our team meeting. We, you know, Coach Walker died, so we should transition here. Where our our Coach Walker, our head coach, died. You were the linebackers coach, and you gave us you gave a, an amazing eulogy at his funeral. And uh, they had asked us a lot of our players. You know, the the AD at the time had asked us a lot of our players. Hey, you know, who do you guys want to be the head coach? And I think it was unanimous. The team had selected you to be, you know, to represent us as our head coach. And that first meeting, uh, you stepped in the room and you had a great presence about you. But I also, and, I, and I'll say that, I'll say this to you, I'll say this to anyone. Like I knew at that time, like you were going to be a great head coach, but I also was like, man, this guy might not be ready for this right now. And you were, and you weren't in some respects, you know, like you, you, you've made so many improvements and you've done that for yourself and your program. And one of the things I was bragging to Derek and Dan about was I said, Fitz will change who he is before he ever changes the core values of that football program. Cause that's the type of person he is. So can you talk a little bit about that transition for you taking over a head college program as a 31 year old in the summer, a head coach dies and what you've done from, from then till now to get Northwestern where it is. Right. Well, uh, let me go back to when I was a player first. I mean, I was not our best player. I, I was just a guy who got his name called playing on a great defense. So, uh, you know, back in the 90s, we didn't have replay. We didn't have great camera angles. So I was kind of mm -hmm. smart enough to get off the pile last. So the announcer would say, <laughs> tackle by Fitzgerald. You know, So now all of a sudden, here, here goes the folklore. So let, let, let's let, let's make sure your listeners know I was I ran 482 on pro timing day. And I started trying to do like the worst cartwheels in the Scouts look over at me like, what's wrong with this dude? I'm like, that's the fastest sport we ever ran. In my life. So, <laughs> but, um, you, you know, and I appreciate the kind words, Chris. And I, I would agree at 31, there's no way I was ready to be the head coach. But, um, you, you know, when, when Walk passed away, um, you know, nobody can expect that type of tragedy. And, you know, we had to put our focus where it needed to be, as you remember. And that was helping Miss Walker, Miss Tammy Walker and, and Jamie and Abby right. and, you know, coach's family through, you know, I mean, let's call it as it is. I mean, coach walk I mean, from, from Ohio, you know, just was really, truly the, the, the apple, the eye of the family. His brother was incredibly successful as a uh, high school administrator, but you know, I mean, Randy had a great high school, high school, college coaching career. And then it just has gone in the blink of an eye. So horrible tragedy. And that was focus a and focus B Chris was you guys just, how can we mm -hmm. help you through this? Some guys had opened up a wound of somebody that they had lost early in their lives. Some guys had never gone through tragedy. Some of the guys were, you know, uh, really close with walk. Some guys were getting to know walk and some guys were in the doghouse. So, you know, it was a really dynamic situation. Um, 
And, and, and when uh, Mark Murphy uh, came to see me after uh, Coach Walk's funeral and said, you know, we, we, wanna, we want you to be our head coach, um, I, I just looked at him and said, you know, honestly, you got to give me a night to sit down and talk with Stacy. We just, we just had a child. Right. Uh, we're, out, we're number two's on the way. Of course, I want to be the head football coach, but the program and the experience of our players means a, a million times more than what I want for me. That mm-hmm. if I'm good enough, that'll happen the right way as, as I go through this. Uh, and so I got my dream job through the worst circumstances you possibly mm-hmm. could get. And so uh, honestly prayed on it that night. Stacy and I woke up the next morning, looked at each other and she said, go for it, babe. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, they gave me a five-year contract, but it was really a three-year deal. And uh, I said, after three years, if I don't have this thing going the right way, you won't have to fire me. Uh, the program means that much to me. I would just like to go back to be the linebacker coach, and I'll resign. And uh, now as we're going on to year 16, uh, you guys did it, man. I mean, it, I've had great players. I mean, unbelievably unselfish, team-first, servant leader guys that uh, just are absolutely relentless in playing for each other. And then we've had pretty high consistency and, and, and continuity with my coaching staff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think for a player, you know, whether you like your coach or not, if you know where he's coming from and you know his values and what he expects you to do, you can operate and get better and improve, right? And, and so usually what happens is the young players are like, oh, he's so hard on me. I don't like it. Then by the time they get to be a senior, it's like, man, this is going too fast. I love this guy. You know, you kind of lose that as the head coach with 112 players, you know, yeah, extrapolate that over the entire organization. Um, you know, you know me, Chris. I, I try to be a buzzing bee. I try to be as involved and engaged with everybody, everywhere, all over the program. Mm. Uh, and and that's uh, something I try to do relentlessly. But you're right. I was not ready. Uh, I think there might be some uh, internet fans that think I'm still not ready, but that's all right. <laughs> Always. We, 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 we can get a WWE cage match going, and I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. <laughs> Man, well, Coach, uh, uh Chris has told us so many stories about playing for you. And I would imagine he was a huge headache for you as a coach. Um, you know, we've been just dealing with him for a, for a couple, couple years now and we, we, we get it. Uh, but, but one of the things that he keeps bringing, bringing us back to, um, is just how, you know, values aligned you are. And obviously like we've been able to observe you more in recent years. And, you know, one of the things that really has stood out to us in the past three years is you, you know, win the big 10 West, and then you have a down year in 2019, and then you come back this year and, you know, pretty much shock the world and win it again. And, um, you know, how do you stay, how do you prevent yourself from panicking? Cause I know for myself as a young coach, it's so easy to panic when you have a year that's, you know, not up to expectation. How do you stay true, true to that through, through the the adversity of a, a tough season? Well, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, kind of about your, your player coach relationship a little bit. You know, I, I hope my players say that they know exactly what they're going to get, win or lose with me. I, I hope they think there's a high level of consistency in the way that I approach what I do. And if I if I've got that consistency, then that hopefully will permeate through the assistants, through the you know GAs, quality control, strength staff, AT staff. You know, those touch points that that hit the players every day. And uh, you know, each each game is a one game season. Uh, each team is its entity in and of itself. Uh, I love the talking season that we're in right now, kind of like end of the national championship until we get to week one where, well, they have this amount of guys coming back. They got this class. They, they got these transfers. That has zero to do with the chemistry of, right. uh, of the squad of the building. So, you know, from a value standpoint, you know, I, when I was a high school uh, football player, I wrote a book report on this great coach named John Wood. And, um, you know, his pyramid of success, all of, the, all of his great uh, teachings. 
and and I, I thought I might want to go into coaching, like I said, when I was in college. But you know, after reading Coach Wooden's kind of more holistic way to look at how you impact and 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 really use your power of influence as a teacher slash coach slash educator, um, that that really resonated with me. But I, you know, I've gone around to a lot of high schools, uh, colleges, and and you look at all these posters up on a wall, and you ask like. Uh, the assistant coach, like, Hey, what, what does this mean? He's like, Oh, that's just coaches stuff. I don't know, whatever. We don't even talk about it. You know? So I didn't want to put coach wooden stuff up on the wall. I really wanted it to be our values, co- a collective approach. And so after my first year, we did kind of a, 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 what you would do in any organization. You know, we did a SWOT analysis. We looked into the 360, uh, of the program. I had a C, uh, one of my professors was a CEO consultant and, uh, and I had him come out, start coming out to a spring practice. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, Chris, but uh, uh, Professor Don Prentice would come out. He didn't know if the ball was pumped up with air or stuffed with feathers. He, did, he didn't care about that. Uh, he, he was looking at how I led, the way the organization ran, um, you know, how was the leadership within the, within the team. Uh, and, and we really did a holistic look. And one of the things he said to me is, he goes, I have no idea what the values of this program is. So how could you, how could you develop leaders? And, and that's when I had our, our first, we created our first leadership council and uh, we, we studied John Wood we studied his books. And then we took, uh, he has 15 building blocks. We took 15, went down to 10, and then we created our own values pyramid called the Wildcat Values. And so the next 14 years after that, when I meet with the leadership council, I still ask those guys, is this still what we value? Uh, and 14 years later, it definitely is. So it's a driving force in what we do day to day. It's a driving force in the questions we ask about the, who the person is in recruiting. Um, you know, it, it, everybody's like, oh, it's so hard to get in Northwestern academically. No, it's not. If you're a good student, you're going to get into school here. All right. <laughs> Got the number one graduation rate in the country. We've got a 3.34 GPA. If you're not a good student, we're not going to recruit you. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Do better. Okay. All right. I mean, like, that is what it is. I don't make those rules. That's made on campus. Right. So I don't think that makes us better than anybody else. It's just who we are. Right. And then, you know, same thing with football. Like, we're a championship level football program, you know, and that, and that, that, that's, that's not to be a slight at anybody else, but you, you have to be a high level football player for us to recruit you. You have to come here and we have to evaluate you that you're going to come in from day one to compete to start. All right. And so that, that's a high bar to get over. But, you know, my wife, Stacy and I have been together since I was 15. She could pop on the tape and look at the transcript and be like, this dude's off the charts bright, man, babe, he could play. So that's not the hard thing. It's, it's the who this person is, you know, what makes him who he is uh, that we really analyze and evaluate. And um, it's really important to us. And those 10 values are pretty simple. The two cornerstones are both choices uh, that are God given. The first one's your attitude. Uh, and, and the second one is investment, which we define as consistent, consistent hard work over time. You know, the, the, especially Gen Z, man, it's like I went on Instagram and 50 people followed me on popular. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Right. So they're used to that. You know, instant, instant. It's that's not investment. It's it's the grind. Uh, it's it's investing every day, day in and day out to relentlessly improve. Mm-hmm. You couple with that a great attitude with a great attitude. You got you got a chance to be successful. And then. You know, character uh, speaks for itself. It's who you are when no one's watching. You know, trust is, is something that, again, I think young people today give away. I mean, when I was growing up, you wouldn't give anybody your home address, your your own phone number. <laughs> now, I mean, it's like it's all over the Internet. So, you know, you have to earn that trust. And I talked a lot about that to our coaches, that we're going to give it to our players unequivocally, but we've got to earn it as their coaches. Mm. Uh, honesty, uh, we tell our guys what they need to hear now that they want to hear. Uh, in the middle's family, it's being a part of something bigger than yourself, being a servant teammate, servant leader, 
uh, respect that speaks for itself. But I think this is the number one value that's lost in our society today. I mean, we have over 20 states on our roster. We have every race. We have every religion. We have every socioeconomic background. It's an unbelievable opportunity to learn and grow and develop as a young person. Uh, but you have to have a backbone of respect and, and yeah. really respect their uniquenesses and differences. And then it's about effort, how you respond. And then at the top is an acronym for win. It's about choices. What's important now? Mm. So that's that's our values. That's kind of what we do and how we do it. And like I said, that's how I, I expect our organization to run every day. Like if I look at our fourth strength coach and, and he's losing it on somebody, I'm like, hey, you know, you know, coffee cup, what's important now, man? He's like, yeah, coach, I got to chill out here. You know, it was a little rough night. <laughs> My kids were up all night. I'm like, you know what? Our player doesn't really give a rip. Yeah. You know, and, and what's happening at home is impacting what you're doing to that player now. Go go dab that guy up. Go love him up. Go talk to him about what's going on. Uh, what's happened has happened, and let's move forward together. You know, get down to that granule, genuine relationship. So now you can really drive and develop people. But I, I think you got to bring the right guys into the culture. I think I have to have the right staff to to uphold the standard of the culture. Yeah. And then if you got it the right way, the locker room runs itself, and your older players uh, really drive the standard and. Uh, I just got to get the bus there on time and the guys go play their butts off for each other. <laughs> right. Right. Coach, it's, I mean, we talk about it all the time. If you're uh, the, the profession, you it's, it's so uncommon um, what you've done at a place for 16 years. And um, most guys, it's like, Hey, if you're, if you're, especially the college game, you've got to have a suitcase ready at all times. Um, and you, you touched on continuity within your staff and um, to, how do you do that? How do, how do you, how do you, how do you keep that continuity? Because yeah. it's such a uncommon thing, but um, you've, you've found a way. Yeah, Derek, you've done it. I mean, I, I think it's balance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for some head coaches, I think that's a dirty word. Uh, right. I, I believe it is the only word that matters. You have to, you have to have balance. Um, you know, like right now we're sitting in May and I was, you guys were making fun of me earlier, I think before we got on, but uh, you, you know, I'm going to play golf today. I've already hit up my recruits for the day. I gave my staff today off because in June, it's going to be the most chaotic June in the history of college football. So, yeah. you know, just having the forward thinking to have some balance, um, there, there, there's a better mousetrap. There's a better way to do it. You can be more efficient. When I started as a GA at Maryland, I had a grade, the, I had to watch and break down all the tape at my desk on paper. I could, my, my GAs and QCs could do that on their phone right now. So, you know, excuse me, just have a plan, be efficient. Uh, I expect everybody in our organization to be pros. So if I have to hold you accountable for you doing your job, you're going to probably get one warning. And then the next time it's, it's going to be probably time for me to tell you it's, it's time to move on. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to have balance in your life, but uh, you, you've got to produce. So uh, that, that's number one. I think uh, recruiting men that have great families, uh, whatever that means, it's it's unique to everybody. But uh, that understand that college football is a lifestyle; it's not a profession. Um, there's at the bottom of all of our contracts says other duties as assigned. <laughs> that's right. like ninety five percent of what we do for a living. So uh, <laughs> you, you know that's just the reality of this level, and your partner at home has to understand that. So um, I think that's two. And then I've said it often that I'll get fired as a coach before I get fired as a dad and a husband. Wow. So um, if there's a baseball game at three o'clock and it's a Thursday and I got to leave at two, two twenty, then I might need to get in at five when my boys are sleeping, get in, get the stuff knocked out. And then, you know, I'm out. And like my coaches don't have to come and tell me like, Hey coach, I got to go to the dentist at a lot. I don't care. Just do your thing, man. Just get your work done and, 
and go from there. And, and, and then I think you're, you got to have support from the university. I mean, we've had unbelievable support. Um, you know, this thing has just kept, kept growing and getting better each year. They see the value and the continuity and consistency. Um, and and uh, we've just tried to really bring the right people in the organization into the locker room and then in, onto the staff. And I, and I think my values, our staff's values, our players' values align with the institution's values. And I think that Mm. That, that that creates a lot of synergy. Absolutely. That's well, coach, one of, one of the things that, that really, you know, stands out to us, I think, you know, it's, it's easy when you talk to, to guys in, in the game that, you know, there's a pressure to kind of keep up with the next trend, whether it's recruiting or, you know, there's always kind of the quote unquote cutting edge. And, you know, you just talked a lot about thinking ahead and, and having vision far beyond kind of just what's next. Um, and that's obviously played out with the way that you guys have, um, built the facilities there at Northwestern. Um, what was the vision process for making, basically turning Northwestern into, you know, a, a facilities destination in college football? I mean, yeah. beautiful work you guys have done. Well, thanks. I, I had, I, I just talked about a vision, you know, we, uh, again, I think there's something special about being at your alma mater. Yeah. You, you just can't, I don't, I don't know if I can articulate, accurately articulate that. Um, that it just, it just means, you know, it just means so much more that you uh, really can take a long view, I guess. And, and because you have a long perspective, I think you can take a long view. And, uh, you know, Chris and I both had uh, the unique pleasure of being uh, in, in the Nicolette Football Center that probably in 1980-something was really great. But uh, in, in 1993 to 97, uh, it, was, it was not where it needed to be. And by the time Chris got here, by the time we were leaving, uh, it was incredibly antiquated. It was uh, uh, inconvenient, um, and and we just didn't have what we what we truly needed uh, to to have the experience what it should be at a, at a place like Northwestern. So, um, just sat down with our president, our AD, our trustees, and and just said, I have a vision that's not just for football, but I think this can impact the entire athletic department, mm. and uh, the the fruits of that, from amazing donor families uh, to amazing architects and. Uh, uh, you know, the amazing construction workers at wall, everybody that was, you know, from pepper construction, wall, everybody that, I mean, the iron workers on the scaffolding, putting the, the spines up of the Ryan field house and Wilson field right the shores of Lake Michigan with 20 mile an hour winds blowing on the lake. It was, uh, it was a sight to behold, but, uh, you know, the Walter athletics center, Ryan field house, Wilson field, uh, Chapin Ethel Hutchinson field and Martin stadium where our secondary practice field is, is, unique of a setting uh, and as world-class of a facility as you're going to have. And we have everything we need football contained that makes it as efficient as it possibly can from the minute our guys wake up to the minute they leave the facility to get back to their dorms and, and or apartments. And that was really the vision of how can we make it more efficient, obviously cutting edge, but uh, you know, we didn't need waterfalls that came out of a wildcat's mouth, you know, and stuff like, like, like all that stuff. Like, I was not interested. Chris will tell you, man, I, I'm from the South side. You can take the guy out of it, but you can't take the South side out of the guy in Chicago. Right. Uh, I, I, that stuff doesn't make a difference. It might be cute for a recruiting trip, but, um, you know, for example, putting, you know, a, a 40 person cold tub in the football locker room. Right. I mean, you know, you, you, you think about that, but that wasn't just that. Now we have another 40 person cold tub in the athletic training room about 15 yards away that can be used for all of our athletes. Yeah. But when we're in training camp, we can get 80 of our guys through in 10 minutes, right? So awesome. you just start really yeah. thinking about 
you know, if we built one pool that way, it would have been like the, an Olympic sized swimming pool. Right. I mean, so just really trying to think big picture and, uh, and, and really using, uh, our, what our guys day-to-day experience was how to make it as efficient as we could to maximize the 20 hours in the week that the NCA gives us, and then be great, great teammates in the athletic department and have what we do for football be a catalyst to impact change for all of our other sports. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. Amazing. <clears throat> Coach, you've got Coach. to, you've got to give us a good Chris Maleo story. I, I had to jump in before Chris, <laughs> but we've, we've got to get one and we've heard numerous stories. So you, we've put you on the spot. You got to give us one. <clears throat> I will tell you this. Chris was my ACE host in recruiting. Amazing. If I wanted to, if I wanted to get a player, all right, I was going to Maleo because you know, he was kind of a chameleon. He played like every position. So I could put him with a quarterback and he could talk quarterback play. I could put him in with a linebacker. He could talk linebacker play. He's, he fancied himself as a world-class holder. I could put him with a specialist. <laughs> I mean. Elite. <laughs> so, no, uh, I mean, Chris, you know, Chris came. I mean, Chris is like what, what you would probably say happens to a lot of guys in college football. Got recruited to play one position. It didn't work. He wanted to play. was unselfish. Went over, played another position. Um, you know, he he embraced what he had to do to get the job done for school, and uh, and and kicked its butt. And anyway, who are we kidding now? I mean, we're all kind of the same way. I mean, unless you're you're going to an Ivy League school, uh, you know, you're you're a big time football player. You got to understand how to how to manage your time. And and I, and I thought Chris did a really good job of that. And then on top of it, I thought he was just a great teammate, man. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he gave everything for his boys, and and uh, you know that's that's what it's all about. And uh, you know, I wish it would have been. Uh, I wish he would have been all Big Ten quarterback like he does. If you ask him, he'd tell you we screwed him. But that's okay. That's that's. Uh... <laughs> no, but he was he was awesome, awesome to coach, and you know, this is to me, this is like one like the rewarding part of my job. Yeah, you know, is to have Chris be successful and now have to be have an opportunity to be a part of his world. Um, it, it, it's 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 funny, man. Going into year sixteen. What I thought about year one was important to what I know was important to year 16. Yeah. It, 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 it's about this, about seeing your guys down the road end up being successful. So it's uh it's an honor to be with you guys and I'm proud of you, bud. Well, listen, you 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 were you you know you were such an amazing coach and mentor to, to know not only myself but so many of us, you know. And um, you know, you look at back in the relationships that I have with all these guys, and I still keep in touch. I mean, I talk every day with Corey Wooten and Quentin Davy and Frain and Jason Jackson, all these guys and uh, we're so invested in the success of Northwestern football, not from a selfish perspective, but because we believe in you and what you're doing and what you're creating for so many kids across the country, the experience that they can have playing college football because it's unique. And, and not every kid is able to have what you've created there, uh, unfortunately, because that's what it should be at every single level. Yes. Um, and you should love your coach and you should love the experience, regardless of if you're if you know, if you went in like myself, you know, as a quarterback and ended up leaving as a, you know, a multi tool player. Um, unbelievable unbelievable holder you're an unbelievable holder. <laughs> exactly but no listen i mean in all in all seriousness though like it would have been i think it would have been easy for me had it not been part of the right culture to have been like just like truthfully just bitching the whole time about like hey you know i didn't get mine and all these other things but i i bought into the vision that you created right and i was a part of the program and i loved my teammates enough that i was able to put my own personal feelings about where my you know what, what i wanted for myself aside and say like, what can I do to help this program accelerate and get to the next level? What can I do to help us win football games, et cetera? And, you know, guys respect that, coaches respect that. And, you know, when there's a level of mutual respect with one another, that's where things, organizations, teams, they elevate. 
Um, and you've done such a great job of that. And, you know, we're all grateful for it, but, um, um, I mean, thank, thank you. But I, I will tell you, we got a long way to go. I mean, it, it, we're not the finished product and, and, um, and I don't, I think when I end up taking the whistle off and, and passing the, the baton to the next guy here at Northwestern, um, you know, I, I still don't think I'll be finished. I, I just, every generation, every player, it's a unique uh, individual relationship that you have to develop. Uh, and, and I've got to have the right jo- job done by our assistant coaches. And, and I, I, th- I just think of, of any, every year, I guess I'd say the same thing, but it's, it's getting increasingly more difficult. And, and that's something that we've got to really work hard as coaches, uh, especially with this generation, in my opinion, is taking the time not to talk about X's and O's, okay? But really, truly diving in, being vulnerable, being transparent, being able to communicate with a generation that really a lot of them only know how to do, talk with their with their cell phone. Yep. And so how do we do that? You got to be a great listener. You've got to be understanding and, and, and get to where they're at to help them understand. Because I think as big of an issue that we have right now with, with coaching is there's a there's an age discrepancy here. And not in a negative way, but I, I really think because of the internet, because of, of the access to information, this generation needs coaches less than we think they need us. Because they can go on YouTube or Instagram and watch how to throw a ball or how to rush a quarterback and, and all that. And, and that's all good. But, you know, the phone's not going to hug you when things get hard. The phone's right. not going to give you a letter of recommendation. The phone's not going to be there when you lose a parent or a sibling or a friend. You know, they're not going to be there when you have an issue and you, and you need someone when everybody else is coming down on you to be there to be that shoulder and say, I know this is not where we want to be right now, but we're going to get through it together. You have to have that trust built. And I just think right now that's that's the challenge for all of us as coaches. And it's a challenge for us as coaches uh, on that aspect, too, because, you know, Derek, you were saying it earlier, you're like with, with so many guys that have a backpack. You know, I had a good friend of mine once tell me, don't mess with happy. Happy's mm-hmm. earned. And if you're happy then make sure you keep staying happy. And, and it, and that's, you know, that's kind of the way I've looked at it. I've got a, a happy wife, so I've got a happy life. My boys <laughs> get to, you know, been in the same schools. I mean, so that's the selfish part of my life. Right. Then I look at where I'm at with, with my role. I couldn't be more ecstatic about the young men I get to coach. I mean, Chris, we don't have, I would say there's some guys that aren't happy. I get that. We've got to do a better job for them, but that relationship's also 50, 50, right? So you know, we just got to mm-hmm. keep digging, keep working, keep being relentless and bringing that guy along because every player can have an impact. Every player can have a role, but one interaction with a coach, you can ruin everything for, for a player. So mm-hmm. understand that power of influence and, and really work hard to have a genuine relationship. That doesn't mean you don't have a high standard, a high set of expectations. You don't hold them accountable, all that. It's different. I mean, I think guys will run through a wall for you when they really know that you care about them. And, uh, it's the old coaches and they don't know how, they don't care about how much, you know, they, they, they know about how much you care. Right. And, and that's, that's no, that's no more evident in my opinion than right here, right now. Yeah. Mm. Well, coach, it's, it's no secret with the amount of success you guys have had that, you know, over the years you've been sought after by a lot of different places and a lot of different, uh, teams. And, you've decided to to make a conscious decision to to say no, but maybe more importantly, say yes to Northwestern. Mm-hmm. How do you go through that decision-making process? I think a lot of young coaches we talk to, a lot of times they're in the midst of making decisions. I loved what you said about don't mess with happy, but how do you, how do you approach those decisions of, you know, staying aligned with your values through yeah. opportunities that present themselves? Well, I think I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't, number one. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I, I, you know, I, again, it's it's about being aligned and having everybody in the same direction doing the same thing. And that's 
you know, our trustees, uh, our, our administration, our president, our AD, myself, and then everybody in the organization being aligned. And, you know, for the last 15 years, we've been, the alignment has been as good as anywhere in the country. And I think that's why, you know, we've put ourselves in position to compete for championships. You know, frankly, Dan, I haven't gotten the job done yet. I mean, I don't aspire to be a Big Ten West champion. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, sat, I, I didn't go home after the Citrus Bowl championship. Be like, oh, yeah, uh, Margaritaville, the job's done. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and even if we had the privilege to play, uh, you know, Clemson instead of Ohio State and then go play, the uh, uh, you know, Alabama and, and, and have like this magical run and win it, I'm still not going to say it's all over because the yeah. minute you walk in that locker room, Chris knows my story. It's a funeral and a birth. Yeah. It's a funeral that that team's that team and it's a birth of a new team. And so, you know, people say to you all the time, to me all the time, man, don't you get bored? Aren't you like, you know, tired of it? I'm like, no, man, every, every year is new. Every day is a new and exciting challenge. And as long as that alignment's in the right, right place, then, then I I can see myself being here until, you know, however long they want me. Uh, Am I going to be Joe Paterno and be 75 coaching football? I will tell you unequivocally, absolutely not. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I promise you that because number one, I, I think this is a young guy's profession. I, I, I think relatability is really important. Uh, I still think I'm a pretty young guy at 46. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've got a little bit of a runway here with the contract. And if I look down towards the end at 56, I still think I'm a pretty young guy as a, as a head coach. Um, but, you know, 10 years after that, you know, right. I, you know, I mean, when I think about my grandma at 70, you know, she had never driven a car. So I'm, I'm kind of projected out for a few years here. What, 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 and and, and I, again, I think that's a service to the players, right? And a service to the program. Um, you have to be as a leader willing to be egoless. Uh, we all have egos, but you have to think of the program and the players beyond you. And so yeah. I think I think I'll know. I think there'll be a certain point when I know. Um, but Dan, I'll be frank with you. That alignment's got to be in place. Yeah. And, and I think earlier, Derek, you, you know, you said guys have to have their bags packed. Right. I, I would, I would venture to guess in your personal experience, you can look at and point to, you know, the, 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 the misalignment of the organization on why things didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and that's, as long as that's in place, you, you have no one to blame besides yourself if it doesn't work. And, and so that's, that's why I think it's been so good here. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, coach, last question for you, because we know you got to go spray it all over a golf course here. Since, so, um, Listen, I'm the number one scrambler, 19 hole player in the country. All right. So if you, if you, if you ever want to play golf with me, you better have two things ready to go. All right. You better have time because we're going to play you know, a pretty good four hour round. We're going to see a lot of the course and then you better be ready for the 19th hole. All right. And if you're not ready for the 19th hole, be. I have an Uber ride. You got to problem. All right. <laughs> I, I just want you to know I start on the 19th hole, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, listen, one of the things that I admire most about you is, and we touched a little bit upon it is, you know, you're a family man first and, and you, yeah. you, you, you talked about this. I remember we were playing a game at Hawaii. I was actually telling these guys anecdotally when, when, um, when Jack was born, was born yeah. and yeah. a lot of coaches, you know, they, they've, they've made the mistake, I think of missing the birth of their, you know, their kids and you were present you were there, you came late to that game. Um, I think that kind of exemplifies the type of father you are and your father first, yeah. your husband first, all those things. Yeah. Just kind of touch about upon this for our, our listeners. Cause this is like so important. This is something that we really try to drive home is like, 
Hey, there you're, you're not a football coach first. You're, you're a parent first, you're a father first, you're a husband first. Um, talk about what that has done for you as a, as a person. And then how has impacted you as a coach? Well, yeah, thanks for that's a, that was a great memory there, Chris, no doubt about mm. it. But, you know, that, that credit goes to coach Walker. You know, we had Jack, uh, at four o'clock in the morning, I think on a Wednesday, uh, and at seven o'clock, we were leaving the Nicolette football center to go to O'Hare to fly to Hawaii. And he's like, what, what are you doing here? Go back with Stacy and Jack. So, I mean, that, that credit goes to walk too. I mean, yeah. he was the best, yeah. but, um, you know, it goes back to what I said about balance. Um, you, you, you know, uh, let me talk to the assistant coaches that may be listening to this first, mm-hmm. you know, um, the grass isn't greener, man. I mean, five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand mm-hmm. going from an assistant to a coordinator. I get all the professional development. I get the climb in the ladder. If I were to ever become a coaching consultant, the laundry list of questions I would ask the head coach on the interview, because I, you know, like when I interview guys, I'll, I'll have my questions and then I'll get to the end and I'll be like, all right, Dan, Chris, Derek, you know, what, what, what questions do you have for me? And more times than not, I'll get nothing, coach. I'm good. That's kind of a red flag to me. Like you're yeah. going to move your family. You're going to come here and trust me. And you have no questions for me right now. Like that, that doesn't show great preparation for, for the opportunity. And, you know, I, I tell my young coaches all the time, I just had a couple of guys get jobs. I, one of my uh, voluntary interns just got a GA job and he asked me, he's like, coach, what, what can I do better? I go, you got one mouth and two ears. All right. You need to, you need to listen. You need to learn, but you also need to advocate for yourself and you need to make sure that you understand what you don't know and ask questions. Some people today don't like it in a big group. So go privately, you know, all these things. So I'm talking through all this advice to them, but for young coaches looking to take another job, I'd interview the head coach. I'd interview the coach that left and I would understand exactly what it's going to be like to be on that staff. And because the grass isn't greener, you could be there for two weeks and all of a sudden the guy you thought you're going to work for, you know, you got a ball and chain to your desk and you're just sitting there because that's, you know, the coach gets mad if you're not punching the clock you know, is that the wife we want to live? Go ahead. That, that, that's, that's your world. Go ahead. I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be married to my desk. I want to be married to my wife. You know, Amen. I, don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be developing butt cheeks in my chair. I want to be <laughs> butt cheeks in, you know, the first baseline watching my son, Brendan, get a double and, mm. you know, the other dad's like, it. Oh, he's great. I was like, yeah, I should have run a little harder. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> those are, you know, because it, I think it makes you a better coach. You know, you only can be mentally and physically in one place. And, and, and if you're trying to split hairs and, you're, you know, you're trying to, uh, you, you can't please everybody all the time. And, uh, you know, that, and, and I get it as the leader again. And, um, you know, I'd be a little leery of empty nest head coaches. If I was a yeah. young assistant coach, I'd be a little leery. I'd, I'd ask the head coach. So coach, what do you do in the off season? <laughs> you know? Well, I just sit here and I watch tape all day. Like what tape? Uh, well, I watch, uh, like I study an NFL team every day. Cool. Do I have to sit there and watch you study it? Or like, can I do my job and go home? Like, I would ask those direct questions. And the coach may not like it and he may not hire you, but you know what? You knew it wasn't the right job. And so, you know, and people say, well, you can say that, Fitch, you're a head coach, you've been doing 16 years. Yeah, I can. You earn happy and I'm happy. And that's how I, if any one of my assistant coaches became head coaches, like Adam Cushing is right now at Eastern Illinois, Garrick McGee has been, I mean, I've got a bunch of head coach candidates on my staff. Uh, Mike Dunbar, who Chris played for, was a head coach. You know, um, great, great guys that I've been around. Uh, Randy was that way. Gary Barnett was that way. 
you, you know, you can win at a high level by doing it that way, but you've got to be really consistent because then I think, you know, that's how you get the consistency with your coaches. Right. <clears throat> well, coach, we're, we're grateful for you, man. Thank you so much for this interview, but more importantly, thank you for what, you know, you're doing for college football because, you know, obviously we, we led with this, I have bias, but you're doing it the right way. You're doing it the right way for coaches. You're doing it the right way for players. Um, you know, thank you on a personal level for what you've done for me in my life now as, as, you know, as a coach, as a husband, as a father, you know, I appreciate you. I love you very much. And, I, and I'm grateful for all the things that you've done and going to continue to do for so many people. Well, thanks Chris for the kind words, but it's, it's about this much me and you know how much about having great players, great guys and, and, and a staff that supports them. So, uh, like, like in the mid nineties, I I'm just still getting off the pile last. And get my name. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, Appreciate coach, you guys, man. So have, have a great coach. summer and, uh, 99 days till the kickoff of college football. But Let's who's get it going. Right? Appreciate it going. you guys. Go Cats. All right? Have a Go good cats. one. Appreciate Thanks. it, Coach. Thanks, coach.